Oi, oi, I'm Jimmy Bullard and this is me old muck of Fenners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by Buckaroo, Gracie Bucknell. To be more like Gracie, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marler Show, become an official sponsor, get bonus content, and grow the show today. Grow the show if you know Joe and Tom for everyone. Oh, spread the word. Have you heard Joe Marler's show? Joe Marler's show. Hello. Welcome to our show. I'm Joe Marler, and this is Tom Fordyce. Joe, uh, we are just a few days after our very first live show. Before we talk about what happened on the show, I would like to talk about what happened after the show. Can you just list, please, your order at McDonald's later that evening? Right, this... Is it play on? I had Steve and Ryan and George, so like, I'd say 70% of the team, come back to my room at the lovely Premier Inn in I believe it's called Premier in Clapham. However, the walk from the Clapham Grand <laughs> to the Premier in Clapham would suggest that it was actually in Brixton because it was fucking miles away. But anyway, my order I had to get a fillet of fish for, or fillet of fish for Steve. George I think had some chips. Uh, Ryan had a Big Mac meal. I think specifically ordered a Tropicana to go with it as well for the morning. He said, oh, I'll have that for the morning. You know, a little little <laughs> boost. And then I had a double cheeseburger. I had a Big Mac myself. I had a big tasty and just a regular little cheeseburger. You know, the little... And 20 nuggets. <laughs> what order did you eat them in? Started off with the nuggets. Uh, flirted with a couple of the chips. You did all the nuggets, all 20 nuggets? No, no, no. I started with the nuggets, so they were like the appetizer. A couple of chips in between, and then cracked on with the Big Mac. Went for the Big Tasty, because that was newish to me. I hadn't had one for a long time. And then I had the double cheeseburger. The old dependable. Exactly. Then when the other boys left, I finished off the nuggets. Finished off that, and, and my nightcap was the little cheeseburger on its own. I forgot to add that I also stopped... On the walk from the Grand to the Premier Inn, I quickly nipped into an offie and got five different types of crisps. <laughs> I got two tubes of Pringles, one big pack of flaming hot Doritos, one big pack of big cheesy giant Watsits, not the little ones, and some sort of McCoy's barbecue sizzling. So... Because I'd opened some of them as well, it was a whole concoction in my room. Any reflections on that live show now a few days have passed? I haven't had a buzz quite like that. It was even different to the rugby buzz. The rugby buzz was great, or is great. Going out, I still get that buzz, but it was still different because it was like, oh shit, hang on. 
it's just me and you on the stage there is so much more that we can personally fuck up and then not hide from whereas on the rugby pitch it's a great buzz i'm, I'm i've got that adrenaline going <laughs> but there's hiding places all over the field there clapham grand which i mistakenly called the crapham gland when i was talking too quickly at the start <laughs> It turned out to not be a Crapham gland. It was actually a wonderful, wonderful venue, and I had so much fun. I just want to do it again. Well, Joe, the magnificent news that we can pass on to all our listeners is that tickets are now on sale for our nationwide tour next year, the year 2023. We will be travelling the country doing things bigger, better, and possibly more professionally tickets on sale now if you need a link to them it's in the episode description right usually i go shall we get a guest on who have we got going up or something like that something standard that ryan writes in the script that i just have to try and read but i feel like we should do a whole separate episode or maybe a bonus episode of really debriefing the first live show because there's so many people i want to mention and so many different things that we can talk about. We could, we haven't got enough time to do it in this whole episode. So maybe we'll do that. And I will continue to stick by the rules and say, right, shall we get our guest on? Today's guest is an ultra marathon runner and his name is Tom. But I shall call you Ultra Tom. Perfect. Well, Am I just Tom then? You're Tom or Tom Tom. Okay. Or geriatric fuck. Thank you. But we usually shorten that to Jerry. <laughs> to your Tom or Jerry. Ah, you look very pleased. Thank you. Welcome, Ultra Tom. Thank you very much. You look very ultra to my eyes. What does that look like? <laughs> well, you look like you could just run fucking ages. That's pretty much it. Cool. Um, what a great episode. We've yeah, had thanks very today. much, everyone. Uh, I run for fucking ages. What, what's the difference between a marathon and ultra marathon then? An ultra marathon is just anything that's longer than a marathon. So it could be 50 kilometers, it could be 500 kilometers. Uh, it's yeah, pretty vague, but it's just a really, really long way. Struggling with the kilometers things here, Tom. Do you want it in miles? The marathon is 26.2 miles. What's that in KMs? 42. 42.2. So if I did 42.3, I could class myself as an ultra marathon runner. Let's do it. Fuck no. <laughs> I've just heard you saying that you're going to do it. Joe, what is the longest, first of all, forget distance, what is the longest uninterrupted run you've ever done? I used to run home from school with my backpack and my books in it. And I'd go the back routes because I didn't want people to see me. So it was undulating. So from the school to home i'd say it's about a mile mile and a half <laughs> that's as look, why are you laughing what about in the last five years uninterrupted yeah nowhere near that my longest uninterrupted run would be somewhere between 60 and 100 meters <laughs> and that's at a push i'm sorry but you're, you're a keen runner, aren't you, Tom? I love to run, yeah. Right, so you're quite excited to have Ultra Tom here. I'm super excited do you, by the visit Do you want to like do some comparisons to what you've done? What's the longest you've ever run, Tom? I have run a marathon, um, but Ultra is not... A whole my... one? Yeah. That's why I described it as a marathon. Okay. Rather yeah. than a half marathon. Yeah. But as Ultra Tom will no doubt tell us, it's almost, Joe, like a different sport, I think. I raced 
two weeks ago, 100 miles in the Alps. Right, okay. I need to rewind this slightly. When, when did you do your first marathon? Uh, I've never done a marathon. I went from... No. I went from zero to incredibly stupid very quickly. What? So did you do athletics at school or something? I did, but I was 18 and I joined the army. You went to Sandhurst? Yeah, so I joined the army after school. uh, And then in 2016, I had some army friends who did a race called Marathon de Saab. That is a 250-kilometer multi-stage self-supported race. So you carry all your own food for six days across part of the Sahara Desert. They did really well, finished top 300. And then when they got back, we were in the pub and I bet them that I could finish higher up than they did. So slightly hungover the next morning, (laughs) I signed up to my first ever competitive race. And eight months later, I did the race and ended up being the first ever non-Moroccan man to ever finish on the podium. What? Having not... What the fuck? Yeah, it's bizarre. You've gone from being in a pub with your mates going, yeah, well done on running. That was really good. I I get the impression, I'm trying to picture myself at this pub, that you were kind of like, they'd come back all, not smug, but, oh, we've just completed it. We finished in the top 300. It's a great achievement. You kind of not really acknowledge that. You've, You've just gone, yeah, well done. I bet I could beat you. Pretty much. That's, all, that's almost how it went. Having never having never touched a marathon in no, your life, no. you just went, yeah, what, I'm interested, what possessed you to think you could beat them? Was it an off-the-cuff sort of... Just... Oh, very much. Right. Yeah, it was a classic, oh, yeah, that was good, but I, oh, yeah, I could do that. And you, you see it with all everything. You're like, oh, yeah, they're good, but if I did that, I reckon I'd be okay. Yeah, no, no, you, I get, you, you do see that with a lot of things, like... I could pop more balls than you can in pool, or I could flip more beer mats. Yeah, or I, my dad could beat up your dad. That sort of thing. You don't ever see someone go, "I can run a <laughs> fucking hundred kilometers more than you," even though I've never done that before. It's running. I get. You're just trying to put one foot in front of the other for as long. That's as That's walking, can, but quicker. Also, <laughs> you want to finish early. The quicker but, you go, the easier it is. I don't want to start. <laughs> I don't care about finishing. I don't want to start. Can I go back to another aspect of the marathon, Desab, um, Joe? The idea that you have to carry all your food for six days. How much food for you would you be carrying for six days? I'd have a camel around my <laughs> neck. Just to eat? Yeah, so I'd, I, I would have a dead camel. Yeah. Um, and it would be the one that Bear Grylls uh, used mm. where he hollowed it out and then he slept in it during a sandstorm. But actually that was bollocks because he just went down to the hotel. Hotel down the road, Premier Inn. But I would get that camel. No, I'd get a fresh one. I'd hollow it out. Maybe I'd hollow it out completely, stuff it with all... Snacks. Snacks as well. Crisps. I'd eat the meat of the camel, but then I need some condiments and stuff like some uh, fig chutney. (laughs) Fig chutney. Goes well with camel. Yeah. But I'd also cut a hole in the hump so that I could have my head through it. And then I could, when I get tired, the camel... Use his hooves. You know, like how you see the fancy dress where yeah. someone's got the... So that the camel would run for me, and I think that's how I'd... How, what was it called? Miracle de Slabs. <laughs> What's it called? You were very nearly there. Marathon de Saab. Marathon de Saab. Do we know what that means? Marathon of the Sands. In Moroccan. <laughs> I think it's French. Fuck. <laughs> they speak French in Morocco? Yep. Fuck off, do they? This episode is everything. <laughs> everything. So you've done that. 
eight months later, you've said, I'm going to beat, I'm going to beat you guys. Not only did you beat them, you became the first non-Moroccan guy to finish on the podium. Did you just then have the itch? Don't mean crabs. <laughs> did, you, did you just then go, right, I want to get, what next? And yeah, then 2018 went, went really well. Won a big race at the end of 2018 and then handed in my notice with the army and yeah, then sort of turned professional in beginning of 2019. So let's talk about temperatures, extremes first of all. Probably running in around, we're averaging like 40 to 45 degrees. Celsius. <laughs> yes. Kelvin. And, and yeah, and you wear, you're obviously, you've got to you're carry naked. everything. So you, no, I think you have to wear a t-shirt or you have to wear a top. But oh, no pants. I didn't wear pants. I just wore shorts. Oh, did Sorry, they have an internal gusset? With a, yeah. Huh, with anti-chafe section? No, but I've built up a, a tolerance. You've got calluses on your balls. <laughs> I've got calloused nuts. I think, they're, yeah, they're sort of as close to that as you could get. Wow. Um, why, why is there a huge urge in me that just wants you to put your nuts on the table? <laughs> Have a quick examination. Is there is there an example from um, nature that you can give us as uh, an analogy of your testicles? Are we are we thinking about the sort of walnuts that might be served at Christmas? Are we talking about perhaps a bruised plum? I would say something like a dog's paw. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Where did that come from? I've got a dog's paw nutsack. Dog's paws are lovely. I love getting my dog's paw and just... And now every time I do that, I'm going to picture stroking Ultra Tom's nut sack. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So you're in a vest, you're in a t-shirt. I'm in a t-shirt and shorts. How big's your bag? 20 litres. Normal rucksack size. What's in it? Food. That's the biggest thing. Nuts? Uh, yeah, nuts. Because You have to have a certain amount of calories. Yeah. A minimum amount of calories there. Nuts are very calorific. Yeah. Freeze-dried food. It's like camping food. So it's lightweight. So you just add water to it. You can bring a stove or a heater, but I didn't because I thought, oh, I want it to be as light as possible. So I ate cold, freeze-dried food. So sort of crunchy pasta and oh. uncooked rice and things yeah that's pretty miserable so like a pot noodle without the boiling yeah. water yeah uh, yeah imagine Crunchy a pot, pot noodle pot noodle pour some lukewarm water in and then eat it not quite fancy that don't you not after fucking you, slightest that after you've sounds... run for six hours so do you stop yeah you stop every there's a set distance per day so it's basically a marathon a day except for one day that's a double marathon fucking what day does that fall on? Is the that in fourth the middle? Day, yeah. Right. And is that the one that you go, fuck, I've hit the wall today? Surprisingly, that was my favourite day. It was the most I'd ever run in a week before I got to that stage. Then that was then the longest run I'd ever done. What? But indeed, the, the quicker you, you have 48 hours to do the double marathon. So the quicker you do it, the more time you have to recover. relax and recover in the shade because you're under, a, I say, a tent, a carpet that's been hung up by some sticks pretty much it's yeah it's pretty feral and then it's the slower people who do more walking that are in the sun for longer on their feet for longer um so yeah if you're lucky enough to be able to run a bit quicker yeah, you can then just relax i say chill out there's not an awful lot to do when you're there you know when you join sandringham <laughs> it's part of the royal service okay you know when you join sandust yeah 
Wanker. <laughs> Did they do a psych evaluation? No, but I've done some since. Yeah, I would suggest you're fucking nuts. <laughs> the the casualness in which you're talking about running a double marathon in 45 degree Celsius heat scares me. Racing is easy. I imagine it's like playing a rugby match. The actual match is easy. It's the training that's the hard bit when you don't actually really want to be there. You love the match. You love playing in a crowded stadium. And the same with racing. I love, I love racing. The only reason I train is because I love racing. But it's in training where there's no one watching. You're out on your own and you just, that's when it's miserable. And I think that's when there's, yeah, a real mind shift between good runners and then the very good runners. Ultra Tom, let's, let's talk Joe through the terrain that you're experiencing in the Marathon of Sand. So presume you're on the sand. Yeah, and have you ever walked on the beach with your shoes on? Yes. And get sand everywhere? Yes, I've had sand in my shoes. Yeah. Yes, you've got that for 250 kilometres, which is quite a lot of... Do you not wear, forth do you not wear like... I saw these things on Instagram the other day, and it's to protect your... Like, say you've got a brand new pair of trainers. It's prote- protect them like in bad weather and stuff. And I, that's just made me think that... Maybe you should get a pair of them where they're essentially a Veruca sock, but you put it over your shoes. <laughs> yeah. So then, so yeah, and then tie tie the top to stop the sand going in. So yeah, you do have those gaiters. Oh. Ah! It's not a stupid idea. Yeah, but it's it doesn't stop it all coming in. So what does that do to your feet? What are your feet like? Have you got good feet? They're pretty rough. Can we see your feet? We're not going to see your dog's poor testicles. <laughs> would you mind popping a foot on the table? You want to see a foot? Would that be all right? I would, I, if you don't mind, I'd I'll, love to see I'll your get foot. A, I'll get a foot out. Okay. okay. Joe, I'd like you to describe this, this site. That, well, it's, in fact, as Ultra Tom is taking off his very nice Adidas trainers, um, what do you expect to see when the foot goes on the table? Uh, like there's going to be a fuck-off big arch mm. and his toes are going to be like... Off at a right angle, left angle, right angle. Nice degrees. And quite curled, but not as bad as um, when they used to wrap Japanese geisha girls' feet. Not as bad as that. Oh, they're not. I think they're pretty good. It's just the nails, or one nail in particular. Here we go. Right, Joe, give me a reaction. Oh, my God, they're lovely. Yeah, nails fall off. We can't see the nails. Just turn around a little bit. They're thinner than I thought they were going to be. Oh, I see you mean. Big toe. Where's the nail gone there? All my nails are really short. Right. Uh, For 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 running purposes. No, they just they just it's just what they're like. They grow short. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The index toe, if that's what you call it, is longer than my big toe, so the toenail always comes off. To try and give people listening this who can't see your foot, the big toe. (laughs) Sorry. We got one of our guests put their fucking foot on the table and he's just sat there as casual like his arm he's just leading over like yep cool this is happening yeah this is great please keep going Tom what I was going to say Joe is that Ultra Tom's big toe toenail is about the size of the nail you'd expect to see on a thumb I'm surprised at how well your feet look. Yeah, you spend a lot of time, I say, looking after feet. And I think the more you do it, the harder they get. So yeah, you do quite a lot of like gym exercises just for your feet. Like, Do you do the towel one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's Scrunching it up. Yeah, you yeah. put it on the floor and then you do the t- I just do that for fun, not to strengthen nice, isn't it? for anything. It's yeah. just fun. It's a bit like a magic trick as well. Is it that magic? None of my kids can do it. Okay. So 
That's the definition of magic. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. Let's talk injuries, Ultra Tom. I would like to know, first of all, your own most horrific injury, and then let's do horrific injuries you have seen. Of mine, two. I was running four or five years ago and fell over, as you do. This is in Kenya, uh, and I landed in a bush, a bastard bush, they're called, because the, <laughs> the thorns are two inches big. Oh. And I've still, to this day got it in my arm it sort of healed over it and if you if you feel there you can feel a thorn you've got a thorn in your arm yeah that's been there can we have a look roll up the sleeve of your take it out man you can't you can't see it but you can feel i'll fucking give it a go go. so we're just looking at your right forearm it's in his arm that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite things to do in this world my need to take you into the other room and place you on that sofa and get a pair of tweezers and take that out of you i'm struggling to control that i'm sorry but what would be the what would be the technique just like both my knees on your shoulders <laughs> so like my gussets in your face to <laughs> knock you out and then when you're unconscious from my undercarriage i'll just uh, get my pocket scalpel i'd attempt to squeeze it out because i like do you watch dr pimple yeah oh, yeah yeah so good isn't it uh, i'd attempt to squeeze it and then it wouldn't and then i'd slowly just pull it out and you go Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I like the de- I like the detail that went in. Okay, so so far, uh, your worst injury is a splinter. Oh, that's no, so that was that was a fun one. Yeah. Uh, my IT band, so the tendon on the side outside of your leg, yeah, was pretty badly damaged. I had torn some cartilage in my knee. I had lots of inflammation of the burst in the bursa, and I then had a stress fracture on my femur. So I went to Fortius, which I imagine you've yep. been to a fair Many few times. Time. Yep. Yeah, six weeks on crutches, and this was just over a year ago. That was a pretty grim injury. We've spoken about how tough the Marathon of Desabla. That one, yeah. I named it. Is a, have I got Ish. it? Good? Just one last time for me. Marathon Desab. You've experienced. You've, t- <laughs> you've told us how tough. Marathon de Saab is, but is there part of you that's actually like in awe of the beauty of it? Because you're going such a long way, you get to see so much. And yeah, especially in, in the Sahara, you were miles and miles away from any, any other people, uh, any towns or anything. And yeah, all you can see is, yeah, just these beautiful vistas and people describe running a hundred miles or ultramarathons as life in a day. And you go through the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. It'll be points where you feel great, points where you feel absolutely horrendous. And yeah, you learn a lot about yourself in a relatively short amount of time. And you draw from so much experience from yeah other parts of your life. And yeah, then when things just become easy, you don't have to worry about bills and you haven't got your phone with you. So you're not constantly being asked, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? It's... You're just out there on your own in nature, in the mountains. And, and you've got to plan like what you're eating and the way that you're going. The thing that, yeah, that draw me to doing sort of these ultra races is the planning side of it. It is that preparation, those, I say sort of tactics, but like in-race tactics. What do you do if this goes wrong or if this happens? How much food do I need to eat? And on the races, there are like checkpoints or aid stations that will have sort of your standard things like 
water, like isotonic sports drinks. And then you go to ones in France that will have sort of bits of bread, ham and cheese. And so basically a lot of it just becomes like a picnic on the move. That sounds much better to me. Yeah, so that's pretty nice. And so, yeah, I had in the race that I did a couple of weeks ago, I had at three in the morning because the race takes a long time and it starts at 6 p.m. So you run through the night. Yeah, I had chicken soup at three in the morning in the middle of a run. What's your best time for running an ultramarathon? I did a 100-mile race in California in 2019 that took 14 hours, 59 minutes and 42 seconds. That is insane. I'm amazed that you still count the seconds. <laughs> it, it, all, just it, it all adds up. It all adds <laughs> yeah, but up. when you're running that long, you just go, yeah, half a day. <laughs> it's um, a long old time. Oh, that is constant. That was like... Yeah. Do you want that? Do you want context for that, Joe? So let's say uh, if you run a marathon, as you probably know, if you run a marathon in under three hours, that's really, really good going. That's a massive target for a lot of people. So that is fundamentally what Ultra Tom is doing is pretty much, give or take a few minutes, doing four of those back to back. The way in which you tried contextualising <laughs> that hasn't helped me because you just use running for running. I would have preferred that's like sitting and watching 28 episodes of EastEnders on the bounce. Okay. So an episode of EastEnders is approximately 28 minutes. So in 14 hours, it pretty much is 28 episodes of EastEnders. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but... <laughs> <laughs> the problem with your EastEnders thing is it just involves sitting and watching, whereas my marathon example involves running. So I thought it might be a bit more useful, but... That's not, you don't have to just sit and watch EastEnders. You could take little snack breaks as ultra tom does or like tug breaks <laughs> uh which reminds me what are you doing with the stuff that's going in when it's time for it to come out are you paula radcliffe in it number one my i say my party trick oh i can <laughs> excellent i can run it six minutes a mile and pee on the move you pee when you run yeah how do you relax Just, the, the uh, piss muscles? I've got absolutely no idea, but I can do it. Wow. So your party trick is you can piss and run? Yeah. Is there not an issue with the saltiness and the, and the, the piss adding to the chafing? It could be if you hadn't perfected the technique. Do you go out the side of the short? Just pop it out the side or do you go over the top? Out the side. Yeah. So oh, it runs the down. top? Well, you could pull the waistband down and the waistband would sit at the base of your penis, maybe under your dog. Yeah, but the testicles. waistband would then... Cut off the tube, the urethra. A little bit of pressure. But what about the other end, the, it normally, the anus? It normally doesn't happen. Like I'll cut. I think a lot of people think, oh, as a professional athlete, you you eat really healthy. But probably two to three days before a race, I'll cut like all fruit and vegetables and fiber out of my diet. So go before the race. And then if you've got everything right, then you don't need to go again. Is there not a, um, a sort of... A point where carrying all that extra shit in your gut is an extra weight whereby if you could have a shit in about 30 seconds, it would be more efficient to lose that weight, stop all bit for 30 seconds, but then crack on slightly lighter. Crap on. Please for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think with the lot of th the majority of things you're taking is pretty much just sugar, which your body is digesting almost immediately. So, so normally for a race like this, I'd probably lose somewhere between three and five kilos during the race. And the majority of that's water weight. But yeah, I think you're just burning everything that everything that you're putting in. Yeah, it's 
pretty weird. Ultra Tom, how much do you weigh? Go into a race at 70, 71 and finish a race at 66. And you're what, about six foot eight? Six foot. Yeah. What would your shitting strategy be? Would you rather hold the shit in your gut or would you, how efficient could you be if you had to be in ridding yourself of that? I would just put a butt plug into my anus <laughs> and store it up. Or like tight rope around my pants and then just shit in the pant. So like a bigger pant, but then tight around there so it doesn't slip down my, my thing. And like a nappy. Like an, oh, like That's a, not the worst idea in nappy, like is it? a human-sized nappy. An adult-sized nappy, I think I would wear. I need a moment to go and order this adult-sized pant. So let's have some adverts whilst I do that please Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season this is the podcast where we put our favourite fictional TV characters into therapy join me Ben Bailey Smith and our brand new psychotherapist Namone Metaxas Hi Ben yes this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behaviour creates so much drama so make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast Those were the adverts. Ultra Tom, I would like to talk about the toughest events it is possible to do. The first one I'd like to know about, because I was recently sent a book about this, the Barclays. The Barclay Marathons is a, yeah, an endurance event that is, yeah, there's no route. There's no official checkpoints. You run to where you've been told to go and there'll be a tree. And at the bottom of, <laughs> at the, bottom of the tree, there will be a book. And you have to rip out the page of the book that you've been told to rip out. And you go to the four or five checkpoints and then you bring them back to the race director and say, here you go. Here they are. And he says, thanks very much. Now it's time to do another loop. And you've got to do exactly the same loop, but in reverse. And you've got to do it four times. And it's they say it's about 25 miles each lap, but it's probably more like 30 miles each lap. But I think the... The craziest thing about it, this race, is no one knows how to get into it. There's no like website where you sign up to it or you say, oh, I want to do this race. You have to send an email to someone on the right day. You have to write an essay, handwritten, of why you should be allowed to do this race. Um, and you've got to send that to the right person on the right day. <laughs> um, I'm sat here, I'd love to do it. Um, but I've got absolutely no idea how to get into it. And it's 100% real. 100% real. This They're, isn't like an no, ultra runner's mythical beast. They made a, it actually got really popular because they made a, um, like a Netflix documentary out of it. And this is the Barclays. The Barclay, yeah. The weirdest thing about it for me, Ultra Tom, is that you really don't get many people finishing it. No, hardly ever. There are loads of years that no one finishes the race. What the, uh, I really want someone who listens to this show to be that right person why in the fuck would someone who organises the Barclays running race <laughs> be listening to this? But I really want to try and everything I can to make you get that opportunity. How do if is it like the Freemasons where they've actually taken over the world and they're all lizards and they? <laughs> it's different in some regards to that, Joe. Oh, I think we should just bribe them. I'll write the essay. Yeah, you I'll bribe. take photos of them in inappropriate yeah. situations. 
with their callous nutsacks everywhere because <laughs> it, it's an ultra. Um, what is the worst terrain you've ever run on or have to run on? So there is a race called the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, which is in, it starts in Chamonix in France and is 108 miles long with 10,000 meters of ascent and descent. What? And if you put that in, you look at a stage of the Tour de France, there's no stage that's anywhere near 10,000 meters in and the distance is further. So it's steep. And on that, you might be running over football-sized rocks that move when you step on them to mud, to snow. It might be wet. It might be dry. The conditions always change. And I think sort of in the, when you're in the mountains and you're significantly above sea level, so at two and a half thousand meters, things can happen and things can change so quickly. It can be warm one minute when you're in the valley and then an hour later, it's midnight and you're at the top of a mountain and it's snowing. That's pretty tough. But there is there is nothing like the UK in the winter, like running through bogs and is just, yeah, that's probably the hardest. Joe, are you aware of the self-transcendence 3100? Because I think you're going to like this one. It's funny you bring that up, Tom. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> and I think this is the thing with ultra running. A 50 kilometer race and this are bracketed in this. It's an ultra marathon. But yeah, this is 3,100 mile race <laughs> in New York around one block. And it goes on and on for months. What? And you have to do a certain amount every day. And if you finish it is when you're supposed to sort of reach peak. That sounds like the worst fun anyone's ever come up with. One block of buildings. Yeah. You just run round it. Yeah. Can you run round it the other way? To change it up some days? Yeah, I would have thought so. Okay, but it's just this one block. Yeah. For 3,100... Miles. 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 You've got 52 days to do it, Joe. So you have to average pretty much 60 miles a day. You can only do it between the hours of 6 in the morning and midnight as well. So you have to get your 60 miles done between 6 in the morning and midnight pretty much every day for 52 days. How many laps of that block is that? A lot. Brilliant. So specific with his answers. <laughs> Love it. That sounds like monotonous pain. There is that sort of self-realisation that you are able to do so much more than you think. And sort of without going too sciencey, there is a, a theory called the self-governance theory that your mind will give up before your body gives up. And I think with sort of huge challenges like this, it's showing yourself how far you can push yourself and try and find your actual limit if you're able to achieve that mentally that then just opens so many doors for you because no matter what venture you then decide to go into if you've proven to yourself that you're able to run 3,100 miles or a hundred mile race in the mountains there are so many transferable skills from that you then think oh well you get back home to normality and something that might be difficult to do normally and you can't really be bothered to do you really think oh well actually i've done so much more i've suffered way more mentally and i've proven to myself that i'm capable of doing that physically and mentally and i'd sort of describe ultra running is it's probably 70 percent mental physically you have to be fit and you've got to do lots of training and you've then got to race hard and it is hard on your body but mentally it's so tough but then i think that then makes it far more rewarding when you're then finished have you found your limit 
both physically and mentally? I think there are times where I've convinced myself I found my limit, but I think if you think you found your limit, it means you haven't. Have you ever reached the point of physical exhaustion where you've just collapsed? Yeah. Yeah, I passed out when I was running. I had a virus I didn't know about and sort of exposed itself when, yeah, I was sort of struggling and my core body temperature rose. And yeah, my body just shut down. My, yeah, my brain forced my body to shut down so my brain was okay. And that's the, the theory I was speaking to earlier because your brain is selfish and will look after itself and will shut things in your body down. Like we said earlier when yeah, your gut stops working and organs that you don't really need to work stop working when the adrenaline kicks in and this is this is the theory there are some people who are able to sort of and people say like oh you can push through the pain and i think that's one thing that i'm able to do better than a lot of people i don't think physically i'm more talented than a lot of other runners but i have the ability to just suffer and keep pushing hard and hard keep going when uh, the easy thing to do is stop, but yeah, I just have that uh, stubbornness to just keep going, I guess. Joe, I'm not going to put any limitations on you. I'm not going to say you're never going to do an ultra-distance run of 100 miles. All I'm going to say is you're not going to do it right now. You're not going to begin now in the studio. So we're going to try and create the circumstances where we can see at which point you would give up. So, Ultra Tom, if we can come up with an escalating list of physical and mental horrors that Joe might go through if he were to experience a 100-mile race, and we'll see, Joe, at which point you're waving the white flag. Um, so maybe we can start off with some severe nipple chafing. How bad could this get, Ultra Tom? It can get very bad. Yeah, if you don't take the necessary precautions... Which is what, a bit tape. of VAS? No. Oh, tape. Oh, VAS, great for an hour, maybe, but... Yeah, 20 hours in, yeah, you're going to be struggling. So, so I need some tit tape. Yeah, you need some tape. But yeah, I've seen blood on both sides. Yeah, not not a good look. It's not a great start for me, if I'm honest. you got very sensitive nipples. Yeah, I really enjoy nipple play. Do you? Yeah, and if that was to go away from me, okay, now I'll, I'll, let, I'll let that go. Yeah, I'm ploughing on through. I've not given up yet. So you could be wearing a white running vest, mm -hmm. a white T-shirt. Mm. It might look like two Japanese flags. Just big red circles of blood. Yeah. That's okay. I can I can live with that. Let's go. Okay. Um, next privation, Ultra Tom. What about if Joe is struggling with his gut, which obviously happens to people in long story? You've started shitting yourself. It's rusty water running down your leg. Again, not a biggie for me. I can deal with shit. I'm quite happy with that. I can deal with piss. I piss myself a lot. Um, I've done it on the pitch and it's actually quite warming. So... I'm fine so far. I So far, I'm, I'm sticking with being an ultra yes, runner. He's still going. Uh, ultra Tom, the next horror, please, for Joe. Toenails coming off mid-run is pretty miserable. And yeah, from your foot hitting the front of your shoe, that then the bed of your toenail comes up through the skin. Um, and your toenail then comes off and you can feel it. In between, it's actually come off and you feel it in between your toes. So now you're getting a blister because your toenail has come off and is now rubbing on one of your other toes. Oh, um, not great. That's not great. It's not, it's making me feel bad now. And I'm sat down on my fat ass. <laughs> I'm moving my toes a lot to think of the thought of that. No, I'm fine because I'll just take a couple of codeines. And the pain will go, like, it'll go. I'm still going on. That's easy. This this is fucking 
piece of piss so far. Right, let's ramp it up a bit, Ultra Tom. You've been running, you started in the morning, you've now been going for 10 hours and it's now night time and you're reaching into your bag and you're pulling a head torch out and you're now running up the side of a mountain with a head torch. It's snowing. <laughs> so you, can't see, you can't see a thing because the light is just reflecting back off the snow. Is that a legit condition you've run in? Yeah. Oh my God. I don't think I could do it. That's your point. Okay, because I'm do I'm obviously doing it for charity. I'm such a charitable soul. I'll plough on through. That's fine. Yeah, it'll be a bit squinty. It might be. I might put sunglasses on. And then you're getting even more and more tired. So then the hallucinations start. <gasps> this is what I've been looking for. Yeah. A lot of the time, it's thinking that someone else is there with you, and you end up having a conversation with them, but it's to yourself. One I had was I thought, coming up this mountain, and I thought that there was a massive castle on top of the mountain. And I was so sure it was there, and I'd seen it, I'd planned, right, I'm going to go in. I've run out of food and water, so I'm going to go in. And, and there's some sort of banquet and feast yeah, going on. Yeah, and that's, that's what I thought was happening. And I got to the top, and there was, yeah, there was nothing. Oh. No castle there. No castle at all. Just a lot of misery. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. I quite like creepy shit like that. I'm still running. This is almost the same conversation that I had in the pub before I signed up. <gasps> Unlucky. So, here we go. The only issue I think I'm going to have is halving my body weight. <laughs> <laughs> you, when you said you're 71 or something, you get down to 66 after. That's half of my body weight. I can't see. The last time I was 66 kilos, I was nine. <laughs> I was nine. I can't see physically how I'm going to get down to that weight. Are there any ultra runners that are 100 kilos maybe? Not professional ones, but there are so many <laughs> There are so many people who can do it because they want to challenge themselves. It's less about physical and it's more about the mental state and the huge equaliser for people because everyone can train and that's training is great. You might train three or four hours a day, whatever, but you're only going to find out how mentally tough you are 20 hours into a race. The vast majority of people never get to find out how tough they are and they can sort of say, oh yeah, I've done this and I've done that and you're still sleeping in your own bed at night. But then when I did Marathon de Saab with a, uh, I did it for a charity for Walking with the Wounded and there's a guy called Duncan Slater who is a double leg amputee who did it. For me, I find it super inspiring when there's people like that who are doing exactly the same thing physically but mentally are just harder than a woodpecker's beak. <laughs> Really caught me off guard, that last one. <laughs> really it's thrown you. This episode is sponsored by the following excellent people. Cool Kevin Wyatt. Matthew Spuddy the Farmer Chapel. Tinker Taylor Soldier Cy Waderson. Sweet Caroline Harris. The man for all seasons, it's Rob Springett. Double Al Allen. John the Iron Maiden Dickinson, James Napier, Alexander M. Picusa, and Philip Icom. The engineer Warren Allsop. Jim, would I lie to you? The joystick. Ben Joyce. I Trooper Mel Jalloway, our favourite listener from the Netherlands. Kerry the Noble Steed, and King Lewis Morgan. To be more like all of them, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marla Show, become an official sponsor and grow the show today. My 
my biggest takeaway from this, sitting here talking to you, Ultra Tom, is that your mind is going to give up before your body. Is that what you're saying to me? 100%. I just love the thought of it now that anyone can go out and not anyone, I'm, that's definitely not the point I'm making, but anyone can go out there and test their mind. Physically now, you could do it. 100%. Whether you were running or walking, you could now, if you decided, right, I'm going back home and you went back to Heathfield, you could do it. But mentally you'll be like, well, why would I? I'm going to get a taxi or I'm going to take the train or I'm going to get a bus because physically no one would want to do it. But as a challenge, you would find out, yeah, you'd learn so much about yourself and you can learn so much about yourself and then put that into, yeah, into practice with other aspects of your life. Do you want further inspiration, Joe, if you needed it after that stirring speech? Heathfield, your hometown, has already produced a world-class ultra-distance runner. Fuck off. Yeah. You shitting me? You're from Heathfield? Yeah. Cross in hand, actually, but... What? <laughs> Is this a wind-up? Nope. Did you know this? Yeah. How did you know this? Because we talked about it. You live in Cross in Hand? Yeah. What now? Yeah. Where? Next door to Rag and Bone Man. What the fuck? <laughs> Is this a wind-up? Are you just saying that because you've heard me say Rag and Bone Man lives in Heathfield? No. So I've surely I've seen your face before. Yeah, well, we've been in the gym at the same time. What? <laughs> yeah. I used to be really impressed when you would walk into Eisenhurst Country Club and bring your own weights in. <laughs> to which they got really fucked off about... Um, <laughs> They were like, can you take these back now? I was like, well, I fucking need them because you lot Get some bigger ones, yeah. weights, motherfuckers. I think it's because they're a bit dirty and oh, clean. Right. This who? is a fucking wind-up, mate. You've given him all the information. All right. Who are some of Jasper's best mates? Rafe. Oh, I must have said that on the show. <laughs> Rafe is my nephew. What's this doing for your trust issues? Not fucking <laughs> good. Rafe's your nephew. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a man look so astonished. I'm fucking livid. It was so, something twigged earlier. Oh, now you say No, it. no. When you said, you said Heathfield, if you wanted to go home to Heathfield now, I, for a second went, have I said Heathfield? How does he know where I live? I've obviously said it on the show and that was the thing. It was the confidence in which you said Heathfield. Right, where'd you shop? Probably used to be co-op, but now Waitrose. It's shaken you, hasn't it? It has yeah. really shaken what, me. What's your favourite takeaway in Heathfield? Um, it'll be Bombay Spice. Yeah, it's, I'm, a, I'm a Mr. India man. Oh, really? Yeah. They've, they've changed hands to um, Sapphire Star oh. next to Piazza. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I don't know. I, I don't think uh, I've ever seen you like this, Joe. Because it's weird. It's cool that we're from the same place. How many times can I say I don't know what to do, Tom, without you directing this to an end? I'm going to wrap it up there then, Joe. Well, you um, can't wrap it up because I've got to go with the Forrest Gump thing. Do the Forrest Gump thing. I, I, Ryan, I have to weave it. Fucking hell. I don't know what this has done to me. <laughs> it's really... You're a piece of shit. Oh! You are. This is did a Did you nice get thing. in contact with the show or did they get in contact with you? I got in contact with the show. As, right, as, so as you're, a listener, a, you're a piece of as shit. As a listener then. and a... Uh, yeah, as a Heathfield boy. I'm so, I've gone from this is nice to actually this is bollocks. <laughs> right, is, you know when you slag me off for asking people where they come from? Yeah. You could have avoided all this if you'd followed my example. I don't slag you off. The reason we do that is because I quite like to keep my stuff with the guest raw. You warm up the guest a bit with your 
geography chat. I use the geography t- chat as a, oh, has he given you the geography chat? Yes, I need to change it up a bit. But you're right, I should have just said, where are you from? Oh, fuck. That's why you're a bit shady at the start when I said, <laughs> as he done the geography chat? Oh, right, okay. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump apparently ran for three years. <laughs> so you run loads. <laughs> You're not going to get it back. Just read that sentence. No, I will get it back. I will get it back. Ultra Tom, what is the furthest you have ever run? In one go, yeah. 108 miles. 108 miles. 20 hours. Okay. As impressive and as inspirational as that is, it ain't got shit on Forrest Gump who ran for three years, two months, 14 days, and six hours. Can you guess the distance of which he got in that that time? 4,863 miles. For some reason, I I thought I'd be more impressed by this. I'm underwhelmed. He ran... 15,248 miles. When you say you're impressed, let's just I'm not We're talking about a fictional character here. Yeah, but it was based on a true story. Yeah, but that's not the exact mileage that... Well, it is, because it's written down here. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fucking miles I've been given. I think to denigrate what Ultra Tom achieved in his 108 miles by comparing him to a fictional character... It was based on a true story. The whole of Forrest Gump? Most of it. Which bits? Uh, The bit where he became good at ping pong. Yeah. The Bubba Gump ship section. And they actually worked it out. (laughs) 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 That that's what he would have run. Oh, he would have run. Um, I don't know if the Janai bit was Are you a fan of that film? I was, but because it's on all the time and you end up chucking it on and I'm now kind of like, move on. I like trolls now. Ultra Tom, have you found, I think most runners have been through a point where they're going for a perfectly pleasant run and some bell end will start shouting about Forrest Gump at them. Yeah, quite a lot. It's just that classic, if it was role reversal and I wanted to shout at someone, that's what I would shout. Okay, so we've gone from a fictional character. Here's a non-fictional character for you. A real one. Do you know who holds the longest non-stop run by a human being? I think a better question would be how far they went. I'm doing the question. All right, okay. John Smith. His name is Dean Kanazis. Oh, yeah. Kanazis. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Oh, is he a runner? Yeah. Oh, is he a good one? He used to be very, very good. Okay. Have I said his name wrong? Dean Kanazis. Kanazis. Just go with Dean. We'll go with Dean. How far did he run non-stop? Would you like it in distance or in time? Well, the first question is distance. Second question is time. Okay. So give me the distance and time. Okay. Very aggressive today. Por favore. Okay. I'm going to say he ran for 232 miles. And the time? 61 hours, 30 minutes and 24 seconds. Ultra Tom, what's your guess? I'm going to go 233. You bastard. And 62 hours. Good tactics. He nil point all round, meaning no points. (laughs) He ran 350 <gasps> miles non-stop. Fuck! 350 miles non-stop, and it took him 80 hours and 44 minutes. So quick. Fucking fair fucks. I'm looking at him, though. He's just all bone. I'd say he's 40 kilos at most. Imagine his testicles. The dog's poor effect. Why am I imagining the dog poor testicles now? Actually, I can't stop imagining it. It's like red bears, red bears, red bears. Dog poor testicles, dog poor testicles, dog poor testicles. 
quite a mouthful. <laughs> he looks very pleased. I am very pleased. <laughs> Ultra Tom, you are brilliant. You've been an inspiration on a topic that I thought I would have very little interest on because I despise running. <laughs> <laughs> but the way you've described it and actually the mental side of it is quite inspirational. And I think you're brilliant. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Say fucking thank you. Let's go for a run, Jack. Get your trainers on. I've got my trainers on. You never know when you need them. Let's go then. No. Should How much it? you weigh? Uh, 73 kilograms. Really? Is that less or more than you thought? I thought you were more. <laughs> he look, t- Ultra Tom looks incredible, Nick. He's saying I don't. Goodbye. I have only one question for you after that delightful sojourn, Joe. Uh, what is the date of your first ultra marathon, please? <laughs> it's not happening. Not in a million years am I doing a bloody ultra marathon. I don't think I'll even do. <laughs> Mate, I can't. I've told you, I can't do a mile. And the fact when Tom said that anyone can do it, sorry, ultra Tom, not you, Tom, not non ultra Tom. <laughs> Ultra Tom. Does that hurt you when I call him Ultra Tom? No, because he's so much more ultra than me. Yeah. I'm quite happy being standard Tom. I haven't earned Ultra Tom. Ultra Tom has earned Ultra Tom. Oh, okay. So we'll just stick with the standard Tom for now. Standard Tom. Average Tom. You're not average to me, Tom. Below average? You're way above average, mate. Thanks, mate. (laughs) I shall tell you something else, Joe, which is way above average, and that is... Beef's Golf Club, brand new podcast from Crowd Network featuring our favourite golfer, Beef Johnston, talking us through everything you ever wanted to know about golf. It's a fantasy two ball. He is alongside comedian and podcaster supreme, John Robbins. Joe, you've heard the show. You love it. We are hoping to get Beef on our show as a guest in the near future. Simply search for Beef's Golf Club wherever you get your podcasts. Beef! Who's on next week, Tom? Joe, for reasons that will become apparent in the near future, I must keep the identity of the guest top secret, but you will not be disappointed. Lovely. Bye-bye. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.